They're in our region, they're in our nation, they're in our hemisphere, and they're to the ends of the earth. And we do not prioritize one over the other. But all I know is that it's really, we should be able to reach our community because we live here and we abide here and we shop here and we go to school here and we go to work here and we need to make a commitment to go across the seas to reach other people with the gospel because there are other sheep who are not of this fold. Loss of life is never easy, no matter if it's expected or not. It hurts because people were never meant for death. But even though it's a part of life, Jesus intervened. As Pastor Daniel teaches about Jesus, Lazarus, and how death is not what we think, consider a different perspective. God's ways are different than ours. For us, death seems like an ending. But for believers, it's merely a transition into eternity, the epitome of life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I Am the Resurrection and the Life. So when danger comes, the hireling will flee, will flee. And really, this is the, the crux of what we read in Ezekiel 34, what Jesus is getting at here in John chapter 10, is that the religious leaders at this time really didn't care about the people. They just wanted to self-preserve. Wasn't really willing to go all the way. This man who was healed by Jesus, they just didn't want to deal with him. They weren't even excited for him when a shepherd should have been excited for this man who was broken and has now come to some wholeness and some understanding in life. But they don't care because their attitude's wrong. And see, this is one of the reasons why Jesus is such a powerful presence in our lives. Because Jesus doesn't bail on you when things get rough. See, our culture does that. You watch pop culture. Our culture loves somebody who they love. And right at the moment it can turn, boom, it turns on a dime. And then they go into attack mode. There was a time when Britney Spears was beloved. And then she was a byline, and I think now she's probably somewhere closer to beloved again in our culture, in and out. There's a time when Tom Cruise was <gasps> Tom Cruise, Top Gun. Everybody wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was growing up. He just wanted to play volleyball, right? Have goose on your team, right? And then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise went way off, you know, and everyone's making fun of Tom Cruise, and he's just waiting it out. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's the way, that's the way the world is. The church isn't that way. Yeah, right. You ever have a bad go at it when you're in church? People write you off. They push you away. They write blogs about you. But Jesus never does that. See, Jesus, he cares because your life matters to him. He created you and he sustains you every single breath. And no matter where you go, no matter how far away you go, he still feels that sense of ownership that he is willing to bear with us no matter what. 
And I love that about Jesus. This is why we praise him as Lord. This is why we follow him. Because we don't want to stray so that we learn his faithfulness. But every time we hit a bad patch, everybody else may bail on you except for Jesus. He's always there. He's always faithful, trustworthy. How many times you ever prayed? You're like, Lord, I'm making a good mess of this. And he's like, yep, you are. But he's right there, isn't he? I don't know how many times I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. He's like, well, obviously. But he's still there, hearing my heart, helping me understand that I'm not, he's not finished with me yet. See, why? Because he has taken real deal ownership in your life and in my life. And the beauty is, is Jesus has taken real deal ownership in everybody's life. People just aren't aware of it. See, at the cross, there is enough power to save every single person who has ever lived as long as humanity is on the earth. Its application is unique, though, to those who respond. But all the earth is the Lord's, right? See, the cross is sufficient to save everybody, but it's only efficient for those who believe. But think about that. If every single living person of every single generation were to turn and say yes to Jesus, every single living person would be saved. That's how much power there is at that cross. But it becomes efficient unto salvation in our lives when we believe. And listen, if you're here today, watching online, you're here in the sanctuary, you're, maybe you're catching this on our encore presentation later on, listen, no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus still owns you. He cares that. And it's not like this ownership, like, you're mine. I'm going to hoard you. It's not like that. It's not like our kind of selfish views of ownership. He's like, look, I care enough to have laid down my life for you. And all you need to do, no matter what this week is looking like, no matter what your life is looking like, if you were to simply just turn your heart to Jesus, you will know that he is the good shepherd. And he has laid down his life for you. And he's taken ownership in your life. And it doesn't matter where you've been. And I think that's powerful. Because all of us, if we look in our lives, we've all taken all sorts of paths, haven't we? We have some good days, we take some detours. Sometimes we straight break down on the road. But there is an ownership there. But the hireling, he's not bent on destruction, but he's more concerned for himself. And it's interesting, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, Peter exhorts the church when he says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. My friends, I think it's unfortunate that people think that pastors or elders are the only ones who should take ownership in the body of Christ. Because all of us are called to take ownership of the family of God, aren't we? That's not just reserved for some people. It's really for all of us. And notice what he says. I love this because Peter says, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples. I love this. He's saying, listen, be willing, 
Be eager and be an example. And I believe that's a word for all of us. That as we follow Jesus, we should be eager and willing and exemplary to follow Jesus, to serve God's people. Because the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life because he has ownership there. We all should take ownership in our local expression of the body of Christ. All of us. That's what we say here, because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith, what? Fully engaged. Not partially engaged, not, well, these people are engaged and those people are engaged, but the whole rest, no one's engaged. No, everybody is engaged because we're a family of faith. And what are we trying to do? Transform our community and our world. Because Jesus is real. Because Jesus is real, we all have ownership in our family. We all have roles to play, things to do. And we should do it willingly, eagerly, and in a way that's exemplary. Now, he goes on. Look at what happens in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. Again, John chapter 10. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now we learn that there is mutual knowing. There is mutual knowing. Notice what he says here. And I, this is beautiful. It's beautiful because what he's saying is, I know my sheep and I'm known by my own as the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, in this shepherd-sheep relationship, in this reality of ownership, there is a mutual knowing. God knows us, and we get to know God. And that word know, it's the word gnosko, which literally, it's more than just facts. It implies a relationship of trust and an experience. The first place the word knowing is used in the Bible is when, at, when God brought Eve to Adam, and they knew one another, and they became one flesh. It speaks of the deepest of intimacy. And God's desire for us is to have the deepest of intimacy with us. That he knows us and we know him. He says, just as my father knows me and I know my father, this is why I lay down. He's saying, look, the relationship, the mutual knowledge within the Godhead is now shared with everybody. Just the way the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit know one another, one God with intimate knowledge, now we get to share in that. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? We talk about knowing God, walking with God. I mean, it's why we talk here a lot about simply responding to Jesus. When you know somebody, you can respond to them. How many of you who are married, you can just look into your spouse's eye and you know exactly what's going on? Right? It's kind of terrifying. And sometimes they try and pretend like you don't really feel that way. Right? You can just look. We get this in my house all the time. Lynn's like, how you doing? I'm fine. Yeah. You know what fine means, right? It means not fine. But that's what you say, because you just don't have to voice it out that I'm not doing great. I, I just did this with Lynn yesterday. It was so funny. In the morning, she's like, how you doing? I'm fine. She's like, ha, 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 ha. What do you need? Nothing. I'm fine. And she knows. Why? Because there's mutual knowing there. And then she, starts, she looks out for you. 
And that's exactly what the Lord does with us. See, God wants you to be so aware and so experiential in your relationship with God that you just know this is who my father is and this is what he's up to and this is what he wants for my life, right? And then you can just simply respond to that every single day because there's a mutual knowledge there. It speaks of relationship and intimacy. Now, think about what we've covered so far. Jesus is the good shepherd there is a life given, there's ownership, and there's mutual knowing. Now, I'm here to tell you, in the relational world, this is some pretty solid stuff. Like, this is what real relationship is all about. And then verse 16 drops in there where it says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This teaches us that there are other sheep. There are other sheep. Now, in context, Jesus' ministry had all been to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So no doubt when Jesus says there are other sheep who are not of this fold, he's speaking of the Gentiles, which in that day was everybody who wasn't a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, how many in here are Gentiles? Yeah. Kind of cool, right? Jesus was thinking of you and I, most of us, in verse 16. Because there are other sheep. Now, because Jesus said there are other sheep, I need to bring them also. They'll hear my voice and they'll come. This is why, as a church, Crossroads is unabashedly interested in reaching people who don't yet know Jesus. You should be unabashedly interested in stepping into the other sheep who are not of this fold. Now, I just had to just recently, someone said, you know, I just don't understand why you're always telling us to invite people and why are you always trying to get us to talk to people about Jesus? I'm like, because there are other sheep who are not of this fold. Listen, I'm all Italian-American from New Jersey. If the church did not heed Jesus's reality that there are other sheep not of the Jewish fold, I would never have known Jesus. Somebody decided to take the gospel, cross a culture to get the gospel so that I could hear it and I can respond to it. And the thing is, is that if we were to go through each person here, each one of us has a different nationality and the gospel got this way and that way. And we have to be unabashedly interested in finding the other sheep who have yet to bow the knee to Jesus. And those other sheep are in our community, they're in our region, they're in our nation, they're in our hemisphere, and they're to the ends of the earth. And we do not prioritize one over the other. But all I know is that it's really, we should be able to reach our community because we live here and we abide here and we shop here and we go to school here and we go to work here and we need to make a commitment to go across the seas to reach other people with the gospel because there are other sheep who are not of this fold. See, the gospel always has a global thrust. I think I've grown tired of having to apologize to say, I actually am interested in the other sheep that are not of the fold yet. We do discipleship because if you're here and you know you're part of the fold, we want you to get built up and equipped to do the work of ministry. But we also want to go out and find the people who have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. I think sometimes in church in the 21st century, they're like, yeah, you shouldn't really have a vision of reaching thousands of lost people because that's just arrogant. 
Jesus died and rose again that other sheep would hear. And we need to go across the street, across the county, across the nation, and across the world. We need to get on planes, trains, automobiles, bicycles. We need to get on running shoes or walking shoes. We need to use every bit of technology to get the gospel out to people who haven't heard it yet. Why? Because there is still other sheep who are not of the fold yet. So I ask you, my friends, what are you doing to reach the other sheep? And no condemnation. What are you doing? How are you taking a step? Listen, I believe it begins with prayer. You need to write down 10 people who you want to see come to know Jesus. You need to write it down. You need to pray for them every day. Do you know what happens when you start praying for them every day? At some point, they're going to ask you one of those really kind of interesting spiritual questions, and you're going to be like, and then you make a decision. But because you've been praying for them, you already know that God loves them. You know that God wants to forgive them. You know that Jesus laid down his life for them. And then before you know it, you're sharing the gospel with them. All because you simply took the time to say, God, I want to see you move in this person's life. You guys, listen. If God can turn the Roman Empire right side up with a few dozen disciples who couldn't get anything right before the day of Pentecost, what could God do with a room full of people like this? What could God do in Clark County? What could he do in this great nation? What could he do to the ends of the earth if you and I were to say, Lord, I want to be involved in helping to rein in the other sheep who have yet to hear that Jesus is real? You know what's also beautiful? I think some of you in here right now, you're the other sheep. And the reason you're here today is because God wants you to take that step and acknowledge that you want Jesus to be your shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for you, who, who has decided to take an ownership interest in your life because it was always his. And who says, look, I want you to know me. And I want to know you. And I want to revolutionize and blow your mind with my presence. And I want to encourage you. Don't be ashamed to say, I want to follow Jesus. Because you were created to do that, just like I was. It took a long time to realize it, but I was created to follow Jesus. It's the only thing that makes sense. Everything else is a fool's errand. And I'm here to tell you, I have a PhD in running fool's errands. But when you follow Jesus, you find who you really are there. There are other sheep and again, we are unabashedly interested in finding the other sheep because they will hear his voice. And now there'll be one flock and one shepherd. I love that. That's unity right there. There's only one church, church with a big seat. There's only one shepherd, just Jesus. He's the shepherd, the good shepherd. He's the Lord, the one Lord. Now, in verse 17, Therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. Here we learn that the, this death is voluntary. This death is voluntary. 
Nobody took Jesus' life from him. He gave it up of his own free will and volition. I think sometimes we forget that, that Jesus was proactive. It was voluntary. He wanted to do it. Listen to 1 John 3.16. For by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down his life for us. He chose to do this. It wasn't like it happened and it caught Jesus by surprise. This was the reason he came. I mean, the Bible calls him the lamb slain before the what? Foundations of the earth. Think about that. When God created the heavens and the earth, they already knew that man was going to fall. It was already understood that Jesus was going to come on a rescue mission. Long before Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, long before you or I did all the things that we've done or will do, it was already in the heart of God that Jesus was going to come and he was going to lay down his life 2,000 years ago and die on a Roman cross for the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated down at the right hand of God. Jesus did this because he wanted to do it. Because he knew it was the only way. And I love that Jesus wasn't a reluctant Messiah. He chose it because he knew it was the only way. It was a voluntary act and decision. But I want you to notice this. In verse 18 to the end of this section, it says, I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. And then therefore there was a division, verse 19, again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In closing, as I invite the worship team to come on out, you have to remember that there is life after death. There is life after death. Jesus has the power to lay it down, and then he has the power to take it up again. We get at the end of verse 17. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And you see how we close kind of where we began, right? That... Life comes through death. See, after Jesus says all this stuff, you see once again, there's a problem. People are divided about Jesus. They say, he's got a demon. He's out of his mind. Because you think about what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to take it up again. The cross hadn't happened. The empty tomb hadn't happened yet. Jesus is telling them what's going on. He's saying, look, I own the sheep. And these religious leaders, they knew the prophecies. And they're like, man, Jesus, he just ain't right. But then there's those people in the midst of it who say, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus is Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 
We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 